Hey, this is Lori from Hike, sharing stories that inspire us to explore, wander, and live. I'm excited to be able to bring you this episode, which features the Tremont Institute. It's located within the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And I'm actually curious to see those of you who have spent some time in the Great Smoky Mountains, if you've even heard about this place. I think it's one of those hidden gems that really deserve to shine. Um, You know, having a learning facility right there in a national park, that's pretty cool. So this episode is going to give you a lot of information about what Tremont is, the great things they are working on, and how you can take part. And I have to tell you, I've driven past Tremont on my way to hike, and I never even realized really what they were about or that I could stop in and check them out. And there there was even a place to hike um, right off their campus. So after I did this interview, I got a chance to actually go down and visit their campus. And Kimberly, Tremont's marketing manager, was so gracious to take me around. I was able to see the visitor center, classrooms, um, where everyone eats, family style, and their gorgeous outdoor space where there were rocking chairs set up. They had just done their 50th Um, anniversary celebration. It was all really cool. But I think one of the best parts of being there was uh, Kimberly took me out back beyond the buildings to a place called Girl Scout Island. And she told me a story about the history behind this special place and a huge boulder there called Girl Scout Rock. Now to get over to the island, you have to cross one of those log footbridges, the kind that has the one-sided railing, Um, You know, that's always been one of my favorite parts that, and I love so much about the Great Smoky Mountains are all the beautiful, um, you know, bridges and river crossings. So the land where Tremont Institute sits used to be a Girl Scout camp. And way back in the early part of the 1900s, logging companies had basically raised 75% of the timber in the Smokies. And this was before, um, it became a national park and even you know after it did there was you know logging that continued they would use the waterway next to the girl scout camp to force the logs down river and there was this huge boulder that basically blocked um, the loggers from getting those logs down smoothly and one day the scouts learned that loggers were going to blast apart their favorite boulder on the river and loggers showed up that next morning with dynamite, but the Girl Scouts showed up too. They were there first. They sat on that rock and the story goes that it was all day, the next day, and basically they sat there until the loggers agreed to just leave it. So if you think about that, there's this amazing group of young girls and women out there standing up for what they wanted protected. And the story doesn't end there. If you go then to um, a couple of the great floods that happened in 1994 and also in 2003, it raised the river to these uh, high levels, but the Girl Scout Rock, which is at that head of the Girl Scout Island, it basically stopped the floodwaters from basically damaging the entire island. So it allowed topsoil to be saved rather than being washed away, and it you know, saved that little island and also saved that property where Tremont sits today. And I think that we can learn from what the Girl Scouts did. They didn't know that by saving that single rock, they were saving the island. 
but I think that's part of the core belief and spirit behind Tremond. You know, helping generation after generation explore the outdoors, learn and practice conservation for generations to come, just like those scouts did. So I'm excited to bring you my conversation with Katie Terry, President and CEO of the Great Smoky Mountains Institute at Tremont. Take a listen. So I'm here with Katie Terry today. Katie, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do over at the Great Smoky Mountain Institute at Tremont? Absolutely. So I am the president and CEO um, of the Great Smoky Mountains Institute at Tremont. We are the residential environmental education branch of the National Park Service. So we offer offer overnight programs for youth and adults, um, all designed to get people out and connecting them to nature. So, I mean, I have been to the Smokies maybe, uh, I mean, in the last few years, probably a couple dozen times. And I've always heard about your organization, (laughs) but I've never been there. I mean, I honestly didn't think that anyone could just show up and and walk in. But is that really the case? Like, can you, you know, walk in and look around? Is there kind of a visitor center at at the the location? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we we do have, you know, facilities that we do try and close off a little bit during the programs um, in terms of, you know, we try and route people around. We don't want people driving through where we've got kids running around. But we are open to the public. We have a visitor center um, that where GSMA has a store that, that we operate here. So you can come and, um, you know, we've got a good selection of Smokies uh, items that you can purchase. We have a, a bathroom facilities, which is always nice if you're coming out of, you know, or on your way to Cades Cove and you need to make a quick stop. Um, but we love when people come in. Um, probably the most common question we get maybe second to what are you guys is <laughs> how do I get to Spruce Flats Falls? <laughs> oh, okay. So we have a, a waterfall that is just over a mile from um, where our visitor center is. It's a wonderful hike, um, but it's not as well known. So a lot of people come here and, you know, they see the signs saying restricted access to, to some areas and, and they aren't quite sure. But um, we absolutely love when, when they come in and um, we're more than happy to help them find how to get to that incredibly beautiful waterfall. So before I get into some of the questions I have about the Institute, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you even came to the Smokies and came to work there? Sure. So I was born in a suburb just south of Nashville. So I'm a Tennessee native. Um, In my sixth grade class, we actually came to Tremont. And so I have very fond memories of that experience. And I think that that connection um, to nature that that was sparked there carried with me throughout my life. I went to college at Appalachian State University in North Carolina, where I fell in love with outdoors, outdoor recreation, the mountains, um, and translated that into a, a degree in environmental biology. And so I did a lot of focus on, you know, working with ecology, repairing ecosystems, I ended up doing a an internship with the National Park Service with the fisheries department just shortly after college. So I spent a fall here. I got to do a lot of electroshocking and monitoring of streams, got to participate in a brook trout restoration project on Bear Creek, which is on the North Carolina side. And through that time, really just became to, to appreciate and love and understand um, not just the Smokies, but also the National Park Service. 
And so it was an incredibly formative experience in my life. I decided at that time that I wanted to go backpacking. And so my, my boyfriend, my now husband at the time, and I went on a, and a, I guess it was a, a six week hike on the Appalachian Trail. And we backpacked just over 400, about 450 miles across Virginia and left that hike, needed to literally get off of our feet. But figuratively, we were trying to get back on our feet. So I came to an organization called SOAR, which was a, a nonprofit adventure program for kids with learning disabilities. It was meant to be a summer job. We were supposed to just, you know, save some money, stay outside, you mm -hmm. know, take kids out into the woods. Um, but I ended up finding purpose and finding a mission that I truly believed in and stayed in that job or at that, that organization for about 13 years. I started as a wilderness field instructor. And when I left, I was a CFO and had worn just about any hat that could be <laughs> worn um, for that nonprofit. So I was the, the CFO slash IT person. I had done marketing and missions and all of that. But throughout that work, had really started to appreciate the connection to getting kids out in the woods, but I was missing the conservation aspect of it. So I started volunteering with a, a group in North Carolina called the Conservation Trust of North Carolina. And they are a um, land trust organization that also um, does a, a lot of different work. And so just kind of came to getting my footing back into the conservation field. At that time, I really believed that I wanted to translate both that appreciation for getting kids outside with the, the conservation mindset that I was starting to dabble in as well. So saw that Tremont um, had an open position and I had often joked that I didn't know he was going to hire a CFO with a biology degree <laughs> until I saw the job posting and I said, they will, they will hire a CFO with a biology degree. Um, and my son had been coming to, to Firefly camp here. So I had seen it from you know, the perspective of being a sixth grader, as well as being a parent of a camper, um, and just really knew that this was the right place for me. So what a story that, you know, as a, a preteen and kind of the formative, you know, years of getting out there and then translating that to now as a mom, having your mm -hmm. son go through programs, and mm -hmm. also, like you said, you know, being a wilderness guide and then wearing all of those different hats that led you to this place that yeah. seems like the perfect fit. <laughs> yeah. And luckily the board agreed that I was the perfect fit. So <laughs> they gave me the shot and I kind of hit the ground running. So it's been a, a wonderful year. I started last September. Um, so I've been in this position just over a year and it's been everything I'd hoped it to be. Um, it's incredibly rewarding work to do, but challenging all the same. And um, that's really what I was looking for. So, so I got to ask you, because obviously, you're, um, you said how you went backpacking, you did a big section hike of the Appalachians um, through Virginia. So what is it like then to come every day and really be in the mountains? I do not take it for granted that I'm extremely fortunate, even this morning on the way in, um, we got some snow and the trees are all white. You know, I catch myself just almost coming to a stop in the middle of the road. And I took pictures and there's a little turnout. There's a couple turnouts on the way in. And, and some mornings I just kind of pull out, step down by the river and just try and soak it all in. It's an incredibly inspiring place to be. 
And, you know, when I, I do have those challenging days, just to be able to walk outside and, and take a hike in this, you know, beautiful landscape is just so recharging. Um, and it, it is something that continues to, to drive me and, and to, you know, fulfill me in many ways. So how is it, you know, being able to then, I know part of the things, and, and we'll get into a little bit about the programs, I guess, of uh, the Great Smoky Mountain Institute at Tremont. Part of the programs bring a lot of city, um, inner city school students, people that may not have had the opportunity to get out into the mountains and really explore. What have you seen when you are able to witness some of that, you know, going on? Uh, like you said, I think when we first started chatting, you were talking about, you know, yeah. some programs going on even it, right now. You know, we, we talk about how these experiences can be transformational, but we also know for some kids, they're, they're formative. Um, you know, they, they don't have the time in, in the outdoors. Uh, we know that people today spend up to 90% of their lives indoors. And so to have the ability to bring people to the national park and not just for an afternoon or for a day program, but to allow them to come and stay overnight and see it in the morning and see it at nighttime with the stars come out. And it, it is a great thing that we don't have cell phone service too, <laughs> because students are forced to disconnect from technology. But one of the, the favorite things that we start to hear is after a day or two and, and students have been here, they start connecting to each other in a, a way that they may not have. Um, they're in class, classes with these other students day in and day out, and they see their teacher day in and day out. But until you have this experience together, until you see someone, you know, exploring on a, a, a creek bed or going on a hike and pushing themselves, you really get to, to experience something magical. Um, and that changes the dynamic of, you know, the connections between students, the connections between their teachers. And we know that having that experience in the outdoors in a place like the Smoky Mountains is something that, you know, from my own experience, I, I carried with me throughout my life. And, and so it's wonderful to, to see that in real time and to hear years later from from students who, you know, write letters or or find us and, and just share how impactful this experience was. Yeah, obviously it had impacted you. I mean, you went through that experience mm -hmm. and then, you know, found your way into um, a naturalist, you know, type of, yeah. of job situation yeah. and then, you know, found your way back to Tremont. So I guess, tell me a little bit about, you know, what are the programs like? So you have the programs that are more school focused and it sounds like they come, is it for a weekend or a few days a week? Give me maybe a peek into a typical, I guess, school type program. And then we can talk more about programs that adults also attend. Absolutely. So our school programs, or our youth programs, typically um, will run either a three night or a five night program. Some groups do come on the weekends. Some groups come during the school week and we served ages, you know, anywhere from four or fourth grade up to college level. Um, typically it starts around fifth grade. Um, and so we will have fifth graders come and, you know, we are able to work into the curriculum that they're doing in the classroom and, and build on that. So, you know, we really try and position ourselves as we're not just a field trip. We are so much more than a field trip. 
Um, and we are able to accomplish some of those same curriculum goals and, and standards through the work that we do on the streams and on the trails. Students come and they stay in our dorms. They eat in our dining hall. We have uh, family-style meals, so they get to come and sit around the table and pass food with each other. And some days we'll have an all-day hike, so they might take a sack lunch and, and go up and go on a you know eight-mile hike. It's really a blessing that we are able to use the outdoors and the living laboratory that we are in and work with students of all grade levels. We had a, a group of college students that were some PhD students, some in master's level degree programs, and they are doing science alongside fifth graders doing science in the national park. So it really is an opportunity for us to meet their needs and really just give them the type of learning experience that is inspiring, that allows them to just appreciate the sense of joy and the sense of discovery and to you know, explore that sense of wonder in such an incredible environment. It sounds also like a great mentorship opportunity for you know the older college students who are also there and these younger um, youth who are you know looking up to them and seeing that yes I can grow up and and do this as well. Yeah, it was. And so when we had those two groups on our campus at the same time, we actually took advantage of that. And so during one of the lunches, we had a question and answer section where we allowed the students and they were high school students at the time. They were asking questions of the climate scientists and, and the people in those degrees. And we're really just trying to come to the understanding of, okay, you know, this is what I could potentially do if I want to explore science. And yeah, this person is studying some, you know, very technical, very small aspect of a bigger, broader ecological system, but they didn't just choose that. It was a process. And they started by, you know, maybe exploring more general areas. And then as they got further along in their education, they started to nail down what they were passionate about, the research that they wanted to do. And so I think having that perspective and that, that mentorship component too was something that it doesn't happen every day on our campus, but when it does, I, I left that lunch almost in tears just because I knew that, you know, those students were so fortunate to, to see that. And the, the people who were in the PhD programs and, and all of those, you know, advanced degrees got so much out of it as well because they were able to speak to their experience and, and know that there were students looking up to them. And as a woman who's in a leadership role and also a scientist, uh, do you feel like you are also connecting with the young girls and that they are seeing opportunity through your path? I hope so. Yeah, absolutely on an individual level, but also knowing that we provide programs that allow that as well. So we have a summer camp that we call Girls in Science. It's one of our programs where, you know, we have girls of all ages come and get to participate. They choose their own scientific um, challenge that they want to do throughout the week. Um, they get to learn, you know, how to really go through developing your hypothesis and testing and, you know, coming up with your analysis and just the entire scientific process. And that program is, we've been fortunate to have funding from some private donors who say, you know, we want to help anyone who wants to participate in this program be able to come. And so that's, you know, some people might pay $100 for that week-long experience. Some people pay the full price because they're able to and they know the value of that. Um, but it really is a, a great opportunity to get girls together in a, you know, STEM and the science environment and just to be, be able to empower them. That's great. 
And so the programs themselves, like you were saying, they can range from you know three days to a whole week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where are people coming from? Is it just in the surrounding areas or how far away do you have participants travel? We actually have students from Michigan. We have students from Missouri here right now. We have um, students coming from 13 different states currently. And, you know, they, we have one school district, the entire district level comes. So it's all the fifth graders and they come five or six different times throughout the year. And they get on a charter bus and they drive overnight and they come and eat breakfast on the way in and then they arrive. Sure, they're a little <laughs> weary when they get off the bus, but it's so much a part of their culture that the entire school district continues to come. And um, that's in St. Louis area. Now we have a neighboring school district that's starting to participate more and more in our programs as well. So it isn't just regional schools. We are hoping to create more of a regional impact. So we are working with Knox County and Blount County and Sevier County and those schools that are neighboring counties to the national park to try and expand those touch points and those pathways that each of those students can have. We have a student that, or a group that came last week from Walland Elementary, which is 15 minutes from our doors. And during the opening, when we're welcoming them, we asked how many of you guys have, have actually been to the national park? How many of you guys have spent a night in the national park? And not everyone has. So we know that even those students in our local communities still need increased access into the national park into these public spaces and and sometimes that looks not just like hey come to Tremont but come to a national park pro- or a park service program and so yeah we we are trying to increase that participation in in people who could benefit from the national park once a week as much <laughs> if they could yeah i think if you get people in young and have that impression and exposure then that will create a lifetime of advocacy and really enjoying, uh, you know, the public lands that we have, you know, access to. Yeah, that's a critical component. And we know that not everyone that comes to Tremont is going to come back and be the CEO one day, or they're not going to go into a science field necessarily. But if they can have that connection, they can have that touch point and that stewardship mentality of public lands, then I want them to be doctors or lawyers or social workers or, you know, administrators. Um, I want them to have that mindset and take that to their everyday lives. That's when we know that our mission is successful. That's when we know that we're really embodying the conservation principles of the National Park Service. Um, so it really is something that, that we appreciate the opportunity to do. So what about programs that are for adults? What kinds of things do you offer? We offer a couple different programs for adults right now. So um, we have hiking groups that will come. The Road Scholar program, as well as Sierra Club, will come a couple times throughout the year and stay for a week where the participants are doing hikes throughout the Smokies. They can range from mild to strenuous. Um, I went with a group up to Ramsey Cascades one day, and you know those are typically people who you know want to experience the park in a different way. So they may not be at a campground, or they may not want to stay in the cabins in our region, but they want to stay inside the national park. And our teacher naturalists are able to lead guided hikes through the park. And you know some of our staff are, are very gifted naturalists who know well beyond what I'd, I know when it comes to 
birds or lichens or trees. And, and so that is an, an added value that we're able to offer to these groups that, that participate. We also have a, our Southern Appalachian Naturalist Certification Program where you are able to come and um, spend a weekend learning interpretive techniques, um, you know, learning in depth about the Southern Appalachian ecology. So we have a number of core courses that participants can take um, to develop their naturalist skills and to, you know, you can also focus on birds of the Smokies or plants, mammals, reptiles and amphibians. Each weekend has a different focus. And if you are wanting to do just one weekend or you're wanting to do up to eight different ones, that's completely up to the participant. If you choose to do the eight core courses, then we have a, a relationship with the University of Tennessee where you will get your certification, um, your Southern Appalachian Naturalist Certification. Um, so that's something that is, is very exciting to be able to offer. Now, how often are those classes offered? Is that something that kind of rotates through through the year? Yeah, they rotate through the year. So we have one in January, one in February, um, May. We have a couple different ones in May, July. We have a couple September, November. So it's throughout the year. We offer each course um, one time. Some actually one course we offer twice, but we offer them throughout the year and then you can combine it, you know, so it might take a couple years if you want to do all of the programs to, to be able to join us. We also have like the, the women's fall backpacking program that you can do. And we have a wilderness first responder program. So yeah, if you want to come and get your first responder certification, you can do that with us. We have photography workshops where we have people who are able to come and, and take advantage of staying in the Smokies, getting some of those early morning snapshots and the early morning light as well. Um, and we ha we bring in some adjunct faculty who are very gifted uh, teachers when it comes to the, the photography skills that they would need to capture the beauty of the Smokies. Uh, do you know offhand, like when the first uh, naturalist class is for January? Is it early? Yeah, so I'm looking at the dates right now. So we've got uh, our naturalist skills is January 24th through 26th. Um, and then we actually have a specialty one, the Winter Woody Plant ID program, which is uh, a one-day course. That's on the 25th. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a, a, not part of the core curriculum, but it's considered an elective course. So third week of January is, is about when they start back up. Okay. Do those seem to fill up pretty quickly? Yeah. Um, so I'd have to double check. I know we have a couple of our courses next year. We just opened registration um I guess two weeks ago, three weeks maybe now. Um, it was late October, and some of our SANCP courses are already full. Our capacity is typically around 14 people for those programs. So it, they are smaller programs. So, yeah, um, you know, we encourage people if that is something you're interested in doing to, to get out and sign up early. You know, the Smokies is just one, just such a diverse and interesting ecosystem. And then, you know, secondly, you know, the, the beauty of it. So, you know, the photography aspect, of course, is interesting to me. But I would, yeah, I would definitely love to, uh, to come and, and take some of those courses. One of my prior guests on the podcast, she had gone through the program. And, and that's what actually led me to reach out to you guys, because yeah. it, it was so interesting just to understand more. And I, I had, I was pretty clueless about what really the Tremont Institute did. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, you know, for some people, we're the best kept secret in the national park. Yeah. And, you know, some days we're, we love that. And some days we hate that. Some days we don't want to be a secret. We want everyone to, to know and, and to come and be able to participate in the programs that we love so dearly. So, yeah, um, I, I, I saw that Nancy had been a guest on your podcast and, you know, definitely love when people have such a strong passion for the Smokies and a desire to really learn about their environment um, and, and the ecology of, of this place. So uh, I encourage anyone who wants to, you know, just learn more uh, about the Southern Appalachians um, to look into those programs. We have some naturalist uh, skills, one of our courses, the naturalist skills course. And, you know, a lot of times we recognize that people don't have, you know, the, the depth of knowledge that you might think that you would need to be a naturalist. But sometimes it's just, you know, taking a moment to to stop and observe. Um, I'm reminded by a Mary Oliver quote where it says, attention is the beginning of devotion. Um, and that's kind of what we try and, and practice is, you know, just stopping and taking a moment to use those observation skills and to slow down and just to really see, you know, from all different angles and perspectives. And that's the most important thing to be a gifted naturalist is being able to, to appreciate, um, you know, differences in, in flora and fauna, but also just to, to be able to spend some time making those observations. I think that's one of the most challenging things um, <laughs> in our day and time right now of being able to slow down, being yeah. able to observe, uh, like you said, you know, to disconnect from technology and, and just be present and, and through that and, you know, observe and really see what is around. Yeah, it takes time. It, it really does. And we know that you know, even if you come in and you leave your phone and it, it still might take hours or an overnight for you to really be able to relax into that space and that place and to get in the right mindset. So that's why, you know, obviously we're the biggest advocates for residential programs because we know that um, that that added time is, is important. So you talked about some of the things that your partnership with different school systems to get the word out. But how else are you working with the communities to bring, you know, the mission and vision out uh, so people can better, uh, you know, understand and take advantage of, of all the things that um, the Great Smoky Mountain Institute at Tremont offers. Yeah, we are doing it in a couple different ways. You know, we used to, for, for years, we, we have been very um, successful and we have done incredible programs with school groups who have kind of found us and said, this is something we want to do. This is something we believe in. In previous years, you know, we've started to say, what about the people who aren't coming to us? How can we go to them? How can we bring this to their communities and through that work in the communities, make them, you know, more wanting to come to our programs? You know, we, we believe that, you know, that access piece is, is important. And sometimes it's not just a financial barrier that is preventing school groups and, and, communities to coming to our program. So we wanted to just take some time to really get to know people in our region and understand, you know, what some of their their challenges are, their perceptions are, and just get to know them in a way that is, you know, authentic. So um, we've started to do that through a grant with the AmeriCorps VISTA project. So we've had um, people whose job it is, is just to really reach out to maybe some local underserved schools in our areas, um, and do work on their schoolyard and just meet with the teachers, meet with community members, meet with people 
and just learn, you know, not necessarily with this overt agenda of saying, hey, we, we, you know, our only goal is to get you to to the Smokies. But we also know that, yeah, that we believe that it's such an incredible experience and we want them to come to to Tremont into the Smokies. So that community work um, really looks different depending on which community we're, we're working with. Uh, we have a program with Fulton High School, which is a Knoxville school, um, and we have developed this program that is, it's a two-year cohort where students get to participate in the program, and they have multiple re- repeated touch points, not just with Tremont and not just in the Smokies, but also in their community. So they might do a river cleanup or uh, a um, trash pickup. I know that they hiked in a, or were in a parade in um uh, school in the Knoxville College's homecoming parade, um, just, you know, celebrating their, their program and the work that they do. And so, you know, that program has kind of taken on its own model. Um, it's not something that we are currently doing with other schools, but we saw a need. We saw the value that having these students being engaged in multiple ways in different um, locations and areas has really provided that depth that it takes to really create that connection. I think you honed in on something pretty key there when you were talking about through that cohort, through that program, that they're applying it within their community. Because essentially, yes, you can go to the Smokies for a getaway, you can be there. But, you know, very few people live there, right? (laughs) You know, so you got to be able to take it back into your own community and, and put those concepts Uh, together and apply them so that it is meaningful. Right. And, you know, that can be done through, you know, simple solutions by talking about, hey, we're all in the same watershed. And the water that comes out of the Smokies is your drinking water in your area. So, you know, when when you are protecting streams in the Smokies, yes, that's great. But you also have to be protecting streams in your neighborhood. um, And it matters. And so, you know, that's just one component to it is is having um, you know, the ability to show them what healthy streams look like in the national park and then talk about maybe how unhealthy streams are and um, to do water quality surveys in, in their backyard streams and just to be able to appreciate and understand the differences of those. Oftentimes, yeah, that application is really where you find um, the, the most connection to the work that we're trying to do. So what has been the biggest eye-opener for you? You've been in this role since September, um, so fairly new. So tell me, like, what, what's been, you know, the one thing that you were like, oh, wow, I, I guess I never, you know, realized this. I think when I came to my position, you know, I mentioned that I'd been working in the conservation field of land, um, you know, land trusts and, and kind of seeing both recreation and all of that. And, you know, in my mind, it was, well, Tremont does education. And, you know, I, I started, I think, six weeks into the job, I had to give a speech at our, our annual homecoming event. And I said proudly that education is the most powerful tool we have in saving the places we love. And that's something that, you know, Nelson Mandela talked about is the value of education. But then I've kind of come to those, to have those aha moments throughout this entire experience that it's not just about education being the most powerful tool we have in saving the places we love, it's those places we love that also save us. So mm-hmm. it's that personal connection to those places where you see the benefits of nature. And we talk about, you know, the impacts 
in mental health and physical health. We talk about how, um, you know, that rejuvenation can occur in natural spaces. That is something that I've come to, to understand and believe even more strongly through this position, that that's something we need to take to our communities. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of more of that. It's not just about the education and it's not just about conservation, but it's about the importance that that has on people's lives and healthy, you know, being in a sustainable, healthy, um, vibrant community. Part of that is being able to, to connect to the outdoors. Oh, that's pretty powerful that I totally agree with that. So for someone who maybe has visited the Smokies, and never stopped at Tremont, what's the one thing that you want to tell them to get them to come by and say hello? Well, we have a great Discovery Blend coffee that we offer, and you can only get it in our store. So if you're a coffee drinker, come grab a bag of coffee from us. Um, the Artistic Bean is a, a coffee shop in Townsend. So that's an easy sell. But no, we, we really are, um, you know, we want to educate people on what, what it is we're doing here. Um, you know, if you are here during a, a school day, you might see a group of kids coming back from the stream, um, chanting as they're going across the, the, um, the bridge just over the stream. Or if you're lucky, you might see some otters uh, going through the middle prong. Uh, it just really is an incredible place to be. There's a, an energy and a spirit to this place. And so, no, if you're not going to come stay for a program, still, please come, come stop by, drop in, you know, ask questions about our programs. You can always get engaged um, through, you know, purchasing stuff, anything that you purchase in our gift store, all the proceeds go to our scholarship fund. Um, and so you're able to support Tremont, you know, by buying some souvenirs um, and then also just able to learn a little bit more about something that is so important to so many people throughout the year. And you mentioned that there's also some hiking that's pretty close uh, to the building as well. So um, tell me about some hidden gems or some trails that, you know, now that you are working um, in that section, would you say, hey, you know, while you're over here, here are some hikes? Yeah. Well, the big the big favorite is is Bruce Platts Falls. So it's a gorgeous waterfall. It's, you know, a 20, 30 minute hike from here. Um, you kind of go up and over. You got a couple vistas of Fodderstack Mountain. It really is just a great hike. I've seen families do it, you know, with kids on in the carriers on their back with younger kids. If you continue to go up Tremont Road, um, you will also have some additional um, hiking opportunities too. So there's Lynn, Lynn Camp Prong and there's um, just all sorts of, you know, just right on the river getting out and, and being able to explore the, the creek. Now, I haven't done Spruce uh, Flat Falls, but I have gone to Lynn Prong in the Middle Prong Trail. And yeah. I got to tell you that is I, I went um, during the fall season, not this year, but a previous year. And it was the most beautiful hike, most beautiful yeah. trail, I think, to, to hike during that season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful just to be able to sit by the stream and to see the the different colors and the reds and the the yellows and just, um, you know, as the, the river's cascading, you know, you can see why people do want to come and take photography <laughs> lessons so mm -hmm. they can capture the beauty. Yes. Um, but it's also, you know, it's incredible on days like today where you've got snow kind of sloughing off the branches into the creek. And um, even on a hot summer day when you can dip your toes in or jump all the way in, it's, it's you know, filled with a lot of different swimming holes. So again, as I talked about how lucky I am, I, I, I don't take it for granted that I can look out my window and see this 
this incredibly magical um, landscape around me. So what about you? Are you able to get any hiking in during the off hours? (laughs) (laughs) I am the classic no. (laughs) There will never be enough. I will try and, you know, go shadow some of our our teacher naturalists or go um, participate as much as I can. Um, I came and did Firefly Camp with my mom, who, you know, was very impactful for me growing up and, uh, and helping me, you know, develop a uh, that conservation ethic and that that mindset. Um, you know, she was she was the one who taught me to to stop and smell the trees. And um, when I was pregnant with my son, she gave me the book, The Last Child in the Woods. Um, and so this summer, it was actually her second, you know, her third year back at Firefly Camp. Um, but this summer, she and I and my two kids and my niece and my nephew all got to participate in, in our Firefly Camp. So. You know, I, I get to have those experiences. Unfortunately, I, I will catch myself all too often, you know, writing an email about the importance of getting outside from, you know, behind a computer desk. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's 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 my own fault. <laughs> you know, there are days when I can get out and, and go sit on the creek, you know, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes. But I always want to do more, more hiking and just see more of the Smokies. I would love to be able to, you know, say that I've completed all 900 miles. Uh, it might take me quite some time to actually do that, but it's a goal. So, do you have a favorite little section or part of trail that, that you do, you know, like um, to get to? Yeah, well, I do some trail running around here occasionally, um, but my favorite trail in the Smokies is probably the one um, over on the North Carolina side, right off Borney Creek, going up to Bear Creek. And that's where I spent some time doing the brook trout restoration. And it's you know, it's not the easiest way or not the easiest place to get to, but um, it's in, you know, right near um, Fontana Lake. And it just, for me, has been filled with so many positive memories that it's just a great experience. And I haven't been back on that trail in, in some time, but um, it's one that I hope to get back to soon. And maybe that's a good reminder to the listeners that the Smokies is just full of side trails and and different places to explore kind of off the main, you know, road or, you know, so if, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So if you uh, feel like Cades Cove might be too busy, (laughs) then then hit up some of the, you know, lesser uh, populated sections of the park. And, and really, like you said, there's pull-offs, there's even place just to, you know, go walk through some of the beautiful rivers that run through alongside, you know, the roads. Yeah, I encourage everyone to, you know, get off the beaten path sometime. I'm sure if you haven't been to Cades Cove, it's something you should experience. But, you know, there are days when it takes three hours to get through. And those three hours could have been sitting, you know, in solitude somewhere else. My favorite time is really going during the off season or through, you know, winter, any any time where it's uh, kind of lesser, you know, less populated, but you know, as Jill, still just as, as beautiful as it is when it's, you know, in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. So how can people find out more information about the programs, about how to support uh, the organization? Um, well, our website's the easiest. Um, so that's gsmit.org. From there, you can learn about all the different programs that we do, where you can live and learn in the national park. Um, we are celebrating our 50th anniversary this year, so it's been an oh, exciting time for us. Congratulations. And yeah, absolutely. Um, we put out a publication this year um, that talks about our history, but also kind of sets the stage for the impact that we want to have in the future. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't share that 
Tremont this past year um, purchased 200 acres that bordered the national park that we are working on building a second campus. And so that's something that has been, yeah, really, really energizing and exciting for me, um, you know, coming in as a new CEO and not just learning the organization, but also saying, how, how can we build our impact? How can we connect to new audiences? How can we really create um, something with the second campus that will really augment the, the work that we do in the national park? Um, so, you know, stay tuned to, to hear more about that. We're exploring doing a living building challenge, which is a, a net positive energy, net positive water uh, building that takes toxic chemicals out of the materials that you use in the building process. So we're really trying to translate our love for the outdoors into that stewardship and that uh, sustainability and, and kind of walking the walk with our, our new campus. Um, it's very exciting time for us, um, you know, as as again, as we're celebrating 50 years, we're also looking at, you know, what Tremont's going to be in the next 50 years. And we hope that, you know, more and more people will be able to to participate in our programs and, and come to love us and support us in that process. Well, I'll definitely put the links um, in my show notes uh, for people yeah. to go out and, and learn more. And probably one of the things that to point out is, I think, even though you are inside the National Park you're not part of the National Park Service, right? Yes, and that's an important distinction. So thank you for asking. Yeah, we are a private nonprofit. We operate through a cooperative agreement, which allows us to use government-owned facilities where we're in the National Park, and we are an extension of the education program. So we have a very strong partnership with the National Park, um, but we don't receive government funding. Um, you know, we do all of our our own fundraising for our programs, as well as, um, you know, just having revenue from the different types of programs that you can do with us. So yeah, we, we are private and we have a need when it comes to doing this big, important work. And so we are always yeah hoping to, to fill those summer camps, to fill those adult programs, but also, you know, if people do identify with our work and our mission and may not be able to come um, join us for a program that they might choose to, to help make that possible for other people. Um, we also have, and you know, there's just so much <laughs> to talk about too. There's also volunteer opportunities. Um, we do a lot of community science. So we have opportunities for people to come and do monarch tagging, to do some salamander monitoring, monitoring bird banding. There are other ways that, that you can get engaged in our programs and participate in um, the work that we do um, that isn't just uh, the, the residential component. So um, yeah, people can come to our website, find out more about that. You know, we just wrapped up our monarch tagging season this fall, and it's just a great way to get people out, you know, with those nets and, and putting teeny tiny stickers on the monarchs and, you know, kind of sending them on their way down to Mexico. So it's a really fun program. That does sound really fun. And I mean, some of the species in the Smokies, you're not going to find anywhere else. So I, I think that's yeah. important, too, is just the opportunity, like you said, through the naturalist program to learn more about the environment and hopefully um, use that knowledge to uh, to spread the word and, and enjoy nature a little more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Katie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, for spending time. And I promise next time I'm in the Smokies, I will stop by, <laughs> maybe grab a bag of coffee beans. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a cup of coffee and we'll, we'll welcome yes. you. And um, yeah, I'd absolutely love the opportunity to, to talk with you more. And I'm grateful for the opportunity yes, to do so you. today and just share, you know, with your listeners and with everyone about the work that we do. It's something that I'm incredibly passionate about, as well as 
um, very humble and grateful that I get to do. So, Thanks again for listening to my conversation with Katie Terry of the Tremont Institute. If you want to learn more about the things that are happening at Tremont, you can look in my show notes and also go to gsmit.org. Thanks again, Katie, for sharing with listeners how Tremont is connecting people and nature in the Great Smoky Mountains. If you are a brand new listener or you've been around for a while, I just want to say thank you. If you are enjoying this show, please go out and rate me if you give me a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. I will read those on air and it will also help get the word out about the show. Other ways you can connect with me are at The Hike Podcast, at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can always email me, hikepodcast at gmail.com. I also started a Facebook group. So search The Hike Podcast and you can connect with me and other listeners. So until next time, see you on the trail. <laughs>